Hello again, this is Buck Penny speaking. It's 2018. I haven't come on and done an intro in a little while, so I thought I would go ahead and come out here and intro these shows a little bit, present something new for you too. I uh, sometimes don't intro the Jack Benny shows with new intros because the older intros cover the ground pretty well, and so I just let those stand sometimes. Sometimes I add an intro. Anyway, tonight we'll have three shows for you. We'll have the Jack Benny show from 1953-1954 season, the December 13th, 1953 episode to be exact, and it is one of the Christmas shopping episodes, so I think you'll enjoy that. Following that, we go over to the Phil Harris Show from that same week in 1953. From December 11th, we have Jessica, You're Dragging Your Net. Just the title alone makes me interested in listening to that show. And I remember listening to it um, a few years ago, and I really liked that episode. Anyway, after that one, we follow that up with another Jack Benny show, jumping back 10 years, of course, to 1943. And from 1943, December 12th, we bring you Dennis's mother visits. And it's always fun to have Dennis visiting with his mother. Uh, also, I do a fairly long intro on that show that's about the war effort and um, folks supporting um, the war at home. And I think it's a pretty decent intro, so I decided to leave that one. Uh, for right now, we the main reason I came out is because... Often when I have a Jack Benny show, I will um, play if there's a Jack Benny did a guest appearance that week, I might bring in that guest appearance and play that for you guys. In this case, Dennis Day did a guest appearance right before these shows uh, came out. Uh, let's see, the first one came out on the 12th, right? Yeah, the earliest one is from the 12th of December. This is from the 9th of December, 19, uh, in this case, 1948. And so uh, at this point in time, uh, Dennis appeared on the Al Jolson show. And Al Jolson's show I play normally on my other podcast, the... Um, Judy Garland and Friends OTR podcast. If you haven't listened to that, you should check it out. Uh, I do shows every day over there, just like I do over here. Anyway, um, I play the Al Jolson show, the Bing Crosby show, and Gordon McRae's Railroad Hour all together. And I noticed that Dennis Day appeared on Al Jolson, so I thought I'd bring it over here. I also am going to bring over that whole episode from over on the Judy Garland podcast, just so you guys can listen to the episodes I put together over there and decide if sometimes you want to come over there and listen. The Jack Benny shows here I usually do on Sunday nights and on uh, Thursdays. Over there, I do I put the same effort and sort of the same style into the. Phil Harris and Al Jolson's, uh, not Phil Harris, sorry, the uh, Bing Crosby, Al Jolson, and Gordon McRae shows, and I put those on two nights a week as well, and it ends up being on, let's see, what nights is it? Tuesday night, and Friday night, or when I'm doing my presentations over there, it's Tuesday and Friday. So I hope you jump in, listen to those shows as well, a lot of you already have, and I think you'll enjoy them. They're some of my favorites to present. Anyway, without further ado, 
Here is the clip from the Al Jolson show from 1948 with um, his guest, Dennis Day. And I think it'll be fun for you to hear Dennis appearing, doing a guest shot. Um, and then if you want to hear the whole episode, just uh, find it on uh, our webpage. It'll be, the, it'll be on today, too. I'm going to post that as well. So you can listen to the whole thing if you like. So here is Dennis Day, Al Jolson, and Oscar Levant uh, from the Craft Music Hall. Um, enjoy that, and then we'll go right into our shows. Oh, keep on looking for a bluebird and listening for his song. Whenever April showers come along. Hello, folks. This is Craft Music Hall starring Asa Dennis Day McNulty. Say, Dennis, what, what's the idea of imitating me? Imitating you? Who are you? <laughs> Who am I? I'm Al Jolson. Well, gee, you can't be Al Jolson. Why? You're, you're much younger looking than Mr. Benny. <laughs> you know, that's the nicest thing that's been said about me since I've been on this program. Oh, I like to make people happy, even if I have to lie. <laughs> Dennis, that wasn't a bad imitation you did of me. How did you learn it? Well, Mr. Benny insisted that I learn to imitate all the celebrities. It saves money on guest stars. Now, wait a minute, Dennis. Don't tell me that all the guests you've had on the Jack Benny program were your imitations. Benita, darling, will you bring me a crumpet, please? Bring me a hard one. I want to throw it at Jack Benny. Dennis, how, uh, how would you like to come and work for me, huh? Oh. I'm sorry, Mr. Jolson, but that would give me three shows. All those previews and rehearsals. Gee, I have to have at least one night a week off. Oh, uh, you got a girl, huh? No, I'm finishing a sweater. <laughs> you see, Mr. Benny doesn't allow his employees to go around with women because uh, right away they start buying presents for them and spending money, and then they want raises. But Dennis, what do you do for women? Practically anything. Well, I, I, I just can't believe that Jack Benny won't allow you to go out with a girl. Well, if you promise not to tell Mr. Benny, I did take a girl bowling once. Uh -huh. But it wasn't my fault. She lied to me. She lied to you? What do you mean? Well, she said she was a boy. <laughs> well, uh, why, why didn't you speak up? You must have noticed there was something different. Yeah, but I didn't want to embarrass him. <laughs> this boy is almost as sweet as I was when I was a boy. According to the movie of my life. <clears throat> Jolson, if I did come on your show, what would you do with Mr. Levant? Well, there wouldn't be any conflict there, son. Oscar is in a different field of music. You see, he's a great pianist. A pianist? What does he play? <laughs> the piano, of course. Can you play piano? No, but I'm sure I could learn. I'm a genius. <laughs> Uh-oh, another genius. Did you mention my name? I just said genius. Same thing. <laughs> Gee, Oscar Levant. When I hear that name, I think of Shostakovich, Debussy, Tchaikovsky, Kachaturian. When I hear the name, I just think of an unpressed suit. <laughs> Say, Mr. Levant, you know who I am, don't you? Sure, I hear you on the Bob Hope Show. You're Doris Day. 
Oh, she's built differently. <laughs> but, Mr. Levant, my mother loves you. In fact, she wishes you'd play the piano all night. Really? Yeah, my father snores something awful. Why don't you try playing a Jolson record? That's what puts him to sleep. Look, Dennis, let's not have any more insults about my voice. Let me give you a little information, son. I was singing before you were born. Gee, that's wonderful. I've only been singing since after I was born. Isn't it wonderful the success a guy can make just because his voice doesn't change? Now, wait a minute, just a moment. I was talking to Dennis about coming to work for me. Oh, that's right, Mr. Levant. By the way, is this the only show you have? Why, yes, it is. Peasant, I have two shows. <laughs> Pig. Oscar, will you sit down, Mr. Day, and I are going to talk business. Now, Dennis, let's, uh, let's you and I get our heads together. Well, there's two heads that are no better than one. Dennis, look, why don't you come to work for me? I know you're doing well for a young fella, but... Uh, and it's really remarkable. You know, when I was your age, son, I had nothing. I remember I used to stand on the street corner singing with holes in my pants. You've got them sewed up now? <laughs> Please, Dennis, I'm going to ask you once more. Are you coming to work on my program? Well, Mr. Jolson, it wouldn't be right. I can't leave Mr. Benny. He needs me. He's so helpless. Why, just last night, the volume control on his electric blanket got stuck. He didn't get burned, did he? Well, we had to scrape him a little. <laughs> well, why, uh... Why is Jack so careless? Oh, it's all on account of him not wearing his glasses. Since he got back from England, he's been wearing a monocle. Oh, that kills me. Jack Benny wearing a monocle. Well, it's not exactly a monocle. It's a lifesaver with a bifocal hole. <laughs> Look, Dennis, do you want to work for me or not? Well, after discussing this whole thing, Mr. Jolson, I don't think I'd better come with you. People would tune in and they'd be awfully startled to hear... And now, yours truly, Patrick Dennis McNulty, will bring you a breath of blarney from the old sod with Clancy Lord the Boom. Fair and begara, I think the lad is right. Lord the Boom, Dennis McDay. And so sign would click to you, Ace and me kinder. <laughs> now, Clancy was a peaceful man, if you know what I mean. The cops picked up the pieces after Clancy left the scene. He never looked for trouble, that's a fact you can assume. But nevertheless, when trouble would press, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy! Oh, that Clancy! Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Boom, 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 boom. O'Leary was a fighting man, they all knew he was tough. He strutted round the neighborhood to shootin' off his guff. He picked a fight with Clancy, then and there he sealed his doom. Before you could shout, O'Leary, look out! Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy! Oh, that Clancy! Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Boom, 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 boom. Now Clancy left the barber shop with tonic on his hair. He walked into the pool room and he met O'Reilly there. O'Reilly said, for goodness sakes, now do I smell perfume? Before you could stack your cue in the rack, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy. Oh, that Clancy. Whenever they got to Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, Houlihan delivered ice to Mrs. Clancy's flat. He'd always linger for a while to talk of this and that. One day he kissed her just as Clancy walked into the room. Before you could say the time of the day, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy. Oh, that Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Boom, 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 boom,
all turned out for Kate O'Grady's wedding night. McDougal said, let's have some fun, I think I'll start a fight. He wrecked the hall, then kissed the bride and pulverized the groom. Then quick as a wink, before you could think, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy. Oh, that Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy. Oh, that Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Sure's the grandest sight you ever did see when Asa McJolson lowered the boom. <laughs> Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1953-1954 season. This is our penultimate Christmas shopping episode. There's just one more next year that's a new one, and uh, of course that's Jack's last season as well. So that will be our final radio Christmas shopping episode that we'll present next year. Um, there are two of them that he does during the um, run of his television show. One that's all over the place. <laughs> that's the most current one. I think it was from 1962, maybe? And then he did one in 1950... I don't know, 57, I think? And that was a live version, and that live one um, I've never seen. Um, I'm sure somebody has it somewhere, but it's not as certainly as readily available. Anyway, I hope you're going to enjoy tonight's Christmas shopping episode. And uh, you folks have made my Christmas time wonderful this year uh, with all your support and everything. I'm sorry the podcast kind of crashed last week. I uh, hadn't been monitoring the um, bandwidth that closely. I've been able to run just uh, maxed out bandwidth at 300 episodes over on iTunes all the time. I used to have it be where I could only run, say, a week's worth at a time, like 20 episodes. But over the course of upgrading and everything over the past number of years, with all of your wonderful donations, we've been able to get it to the point where it's maxed out, where we could um, just leave it on full throttle all the time. But I forgot that Christmas time we tend to have more downloaders and things than usual. So uh, we hit the uh, bandwidth limit that we had set up, and so I thank you all for donating and things so that I could change that a little bit and make it where we had the bandwidth necessary to keep going. Um, anyway, you guys are just wonderful, supportive folks. In fact, I want to read off the folks that have supported us here in the last month or so. Uh, if I skip your name because you donated through check or money order or something, or because you donated earlier than a month before. Just know I'm thankful for all the people that donated to the podcast. We couldn't do it without all of you. So here is a quick review of some of the more recent folks that have donated. Um, a big thank you to Kathy and Susan and David, Ray, Joseph, Nobody, <laughs> Michael and Gail, Robert, Kim, Stephen, Dawn, John, Ian, Michelle, Michael, Adam, and those are all the folks that have donated recently to the podcast last month or so. So I just thank you folks for so much, and uh, also for all the people who've donated before this. Uh, for many, many of you, you've donated multiple, multiple times over the years, and it's really um, made it where I can keep going with the podcast. So thank you so, so very much. 
I hope you enjoy the rest of our Christmas episodes, and I hope you enjoy our New Year's episodes as well. And without further ado, here's Jack and the gang in the penultimate Christmas shopping episode. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, richer tasting. Fine tobacco. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike. This is Don Wilson, friends. Have you smoked a fresh cigarette lately? You have if you've smoked a Lucky. Because the American Tobacco Company, the makers of Lucky Strike, know how vitally important freshness is to the taste of a cigarette. That's why every day in manufacturing plants where Luckies are made, hundreds of packs of Luckies are carefully tested for the tightness of their cellophane seal. So you'll get Lucky's better taste in all its natural freshness. Yes, smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is, Lucky's taste better. Cleaner fresher, smoother. There are two things that account for this better taste. First, fine tobacco. Fine, naturally mild, good-tasting tobacco goes into Lucky Strike. Then, Luckies are made better. Made round, firm, fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. So, for a better-tasting, fresher-tasting cigarette, light up a Lucky. You'll agree, smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is... Lucky's taste better. Be happy. Go lucky with a carton of Lucky Strike. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike. From Palm Springs, California, the Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wood. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's go back to yesterday morning and visit the employment office of one of Palm Springs' leading department stores. Uh, Now, looking at your record, Mr. Blank, I see that you've worked in our Los Angeles store for seven years. Uh, That's right, sir. And just why did you want to transfer from our Los Angeles store to our Palm Springs store? For my health, sir. Oh, I see. Uh, Your doctor thought the sunshine and fresh air would be good for you? Not my doctor, my psychiatrist. Well, uh, tell me, Mr. Blank, just what was it that caused you to go to the psychiatrist? A customer that kept coming into the store every year, just before Christmas. Uh, A customer? Yeah. He first came into the store in 1946. He was a kindly-looking, blue-eyed old gentleman. (laughs) He bought a Christmas present, and then six times during the day he came back. Tested me and exchanged it for a different model. Well, what was the gift he kept exchanging? Shoelaces. <laughs> he bought shoelaces for a Christmas present? Yeah, for someone named Don. Well, now, how could he possibly exchange shoelaces six times? Well, first he bought the laces with metal tips. Then he came back because he thought plastic tips looked more modern. Soon he was back again. He was afraid the plastic tips might crack. So we went back to metal tips. 
Then he got to thinking the metal tips might rust. So he came back to change them to plastic tips. Six times he changed his mind. Plastic tips, metal tips, plastic tips, metal tips, plastic tips, metal tips. <laughs> Sir, control yourself. Stop screaming. People will think that you just saw the Palm Springs prices. I'm sorry, sir. But then, every year since then, this man has been back buying gifts for Don and exchanging them. One year it was a wallet. Once it was cufflinks. Well, what did he buy this Don last Christmas? A gopher trap. <laughs> a gopher trap? Uh, well, tell me, Mr. Blank, do you feel that you're well enough now to go back to work? Oh, yes, yes. The, the psychiatrist gave me some pills, which I always carry with me. I, I take one whenever I start to get excited. Well, that's good. Now, I'm going to assign you to the date department. The date department? Yes. There you'll meet mostly tourists from the East who wish to send some of these delicious dates back home. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Well, you better get to work, Mr. Blank. The store has been open for half an hour already. Yes, sir. You know, Jack, I must admit this is a good idea of yours, doing your Christmas shopping here in Palm Springs. Well, sure, Mary. After all, this is a branch of the Los Angeles store, and they have everything here. Now, let's see my shopping list. You have to get a load of gifts. Now, what'll I get for my secretary, Jeanette? Oh, you ought to get her something nice. You like her, don't you? Uh-huh. She's very pretty, and she's got a wonderful figure. I'm lucky to have a secretary like her. Well, why don't you get her a game of Scrabble? No, no, she can't spell. <laughs> she can't take shorthand, either. I may have to let her go if she doesn't learn how to type soon. <laughs> She's a wonderful secretary. Now, let's see. Uh, Jack, uh, have you thought about your sister Florence? Yes, quite often. Now, let's see. <laughs> I mean, how about getting her a gift? Oh, I'll get her something. Now, let's see. Gee, I don't know what to get my sponsor. Oh, how about a nice fountain pen? Hey, that's a good idea, Mary. I'll meet you back here later. Okay. I wonder what department I can get fountain pens. Where's the floor walker? I'll ask him. Oh, mister? Mister? Yeah? Look, I want to buy some gifts. Gifts, sir? You're probably buying them for business associates and relatives. That's right. How did you know? I didn't think you had any friends. <laughs> Look, that's none of your business. Now, I want to buy a fountain pen. Does this store have any? Yes, we have ballpoints, regulars, and the new Palm Springs pen. A Palm Springs pen? Yes, you fill it with suntan oil and write love letters in the sand. <laughs> oh, never mind. I'll find the place myself. Silly floor walker. I think I can get the pens on the next floor. Well, I got the fountain pen for my sponsor. Now I got to get something for Hickey Marks, my producer, and Bert Scott, and... Oh, Jack! Jack! Oh, there you are, Mary. Well, what took you so long? Did you get the present for your sponsor? Uh-huh, and I was just wondering what to get the two CBS telephone operators, Mabel Flapsaddle and Gertrude Gearshift. <laughs> Mary, what would you suggest for them? Well, I don't know, Jack. Uh, 
How much do you want to spend? I don't know, about $5 a piece. Well, why don't you get them each a hundred Gillette blue blades? <laughs> no, Mary, I, I gave them that last year. <laughs> well, I'll think of something. Now, let's see, who else? Hiya, bud. Huh? Long time, no see. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Mary, let's go. Uh, Jack, wasn't that the... Yes, Mary, he's that racetrack tout, you know. Probably resting up here till Santa Anita opens. Come on, let's get away from him. Well, that takes care of practically everybody on my list except Don Wilson. He's always such a problem. Wait a minute, Jack. Since we're all down here in Palm Springs, why don't you give him something in keeping with the resort? Like, uh, well, like a nice box of dates. Mary, I think you've got it. You know, Don loves to eat. Come on, let's go to the date department. Uh, No, Jack, I've still got some of my own shopping to do. I'll meet you later at the sportswear department. Okay, I'll be there in about ten minutes. Now, let me see. Where's the date department? I better ask the floor walker. Oh, mister, mister. Oh, it's you again. (laughs) Yes, look, can I get to the date department by going past the sporting goods section and taking the last aisle to the left? Just this once, but don't ever do it again. (laughs) Thanks. Ah, here's where they sell the dates. Oh, clerk, clerk. Uh, Yes, sir, what can I do? What's what's the matter, clerk? Uh, Nothing, nothing. He doesn't recognize me. I'll be calm. What can he do to me in the date department? Uh, Yes, sir, what can I do for you? Well, are these dates fresh? Oh, yes, sir, they're grown right here in Palm Springs under the most ideal conditions. What do you mean, ideal conditions? Well, these dates are kissed all day by the hot desert sun till three o'clock when it goes behind the mountain and then they're in nature's deep freeze. Well, this box looks very nice. I'll take it, huh? That's $1.65. Fine. I'd like it gift wrapped. I know, I know. <laughs> Put this card in with it, will you? Yeah, okay. Excuse me while I wrap it at that count over there. Gee, that wasn't bad at all. I didn't even have to take a single pill. There, now to cut the ribbon. Here you are, mister. All wrapped for Christmas. Red and green ribbon and everything. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I hope Don likes these dates. Oh, I'm sure he will. Most everybody likes these plain dates better than the ones stuffed with nuts. <laughs> yes. You... You have dates stuffed with nuts? Oh, I have to tell him yet. 
Why didn't that psychiatrist teach me to keep my mouth shut? Look, let me see a box of the one stuffed with nuts. Oh, mister, you wouldn't like them. He, he wouldn't like them. Nobody would like them. Believe me. Believe me. Oh, here they are, right here. Say, they do look delicious. But, mister... After all, Christmas only comes once a year. I may as well give down the best. I want this box with the stuffed dates. My pills. My pills. Where are my pills? Oh, here they are. <laughs> Clark, those pills aren't going to do you any good. Why not? You're supposed to take them out of the bottle before swallowing. <laughs> Maybe I'll be lucky. Maybe the glass will kill me. <laughs> Here, here's your card from the, from the plain dates. You keep it. Put it in the stuffed date box. Okay. Excuse me while I wrap it. Oh, Clark, Clark, hold it a minute. Now what? Uh... I just thought of something. That card is a printed one. It's too formal. I'm going to write something more personal. Okay, I fooled you this time. I didn't put the card in the package. What? Nothing, nothing. You write the card. I'll wrap the package. Okay. <laughs> well, let me see. Oh, yes, I'll write him a little poem. To Don, this Christmas I'm giving you something to chew, these delicious dates and nuts to you. <laughs> mm, that doesn't sound right. Okay, mister, here's your package. Thanks. That'll be $2.15. I thought it was $1.65. That was for the plane dates. Well, there aren't any more dates in this box, are there? No, but these are stuffed. Well, look, mister, I'm not going to pay 50 cents extra for a few nuts. But look! It's not the money, just that I don't want to be a sucker about these things. I want the plain one. And you want them gift-wrapped? Uh-huh. All right, all right! I'll be back and pick them up later. I got to meet someone in the sportswear department. Yeah, I don't want to keep Mary waiting, but I can't find the sportswear. Why, hello, Jack. Oh, hi, Bob. You doing your Christmas shopping, too, huh? Yeah, me and my piano player, Charlie Bagby, have been here all morning. Oh, Bagby's here, huh? He's not in Los Angeles? No, I brought him with me to Palm Springs. I felt that the change of gutters would do him some good. <laughs> I hope so. Where's Charlie now? Well, he sneaked away from me. I, I think he didn't want me to see what he's getting me for Christmas. And it's just as well, because I wanted to do some shopping for the boys in the band. Oh, you're buying Charlie's gift now? No, I've got his already. But I am kind of stuck on what to get for Frank Remley. Well, look, Bob, that should be no problem. Why don't you get Frankie a cordial? You know, like a, like a bottle of Drambuie. Well, Jack, that's a nice gift, but not for Remley. You see, Drambuie, that's an after-dinner drink. So what? Well, Remley never quite lasts till after dinner. <laughs> I see what you mean. Say, I meant to ask you about, what are you getting your brother Bing for Christmas? Well, he just bought a boat, so I'm going to give him an Admiral refrigerator. Well, now, isn't that clever? So Bing bought a boat, huh? Yes, the Lurling. Are you shopping for the rest of your family here, too, Bob? Yes, I am, as a matter of fact. Uh, right now, I'm on my way to the toy department to get something for my children. Hey, do you mind if I join you? I always get a kick out of the new toys they have for kids. Oh, no, come on, Jack. Here it is. It's right across the aisle. Hey, Jack. Jack, look at that set of electric trains. Isn't that terrific? Hey, that one there looks just like the Super Chief. Yeah, what a toy. And, Bob, isn't that the sportsman quartet standing there running him? It sure is. Hey, fellas, let Jack hear your train song. 
Choo-choo train took tugging at the station. Choo-choo train, conductor pull the cord. Choo-choo train, you know our destination. Train leaving one track nine for Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga all aboard. All aboard. Choo-choo train is going to Kentucky. Choo-choo train, in case you didn't guess. The Lucky Strike Express. Choo choo train returning from Kentucky. Choo choo train, that's where it's coming from. Watch it come Choo-choo train Please hurry, time's a-wasting Clear the track For something we all like Cartons of the smoke That's better tasting Lucky strike There are no loose ends And luckies to annoy They will please your friends Each college girl and boy And fresher, smoother too It's luckies you'll enjoy Clean it through and through. First you tear them, then compare them. Choo-choo train is pulling in the station. Choo-choo train unloading happiness. Choo-choo train has reached its destination. That was real cute. Now I gotta run along. I'm supposed to meet Mary at the sportswear counter. Bob, do you know where it is? No, I'm sorry, I don't, Jack. Well, I'll find it myself. So long, fellas. I can't find that sportswear department. I better ask the floor walker. Oh, mister, can you tell me where I can find... Well, if it isn't little boy lost again. Never mind, I'll find the department myself. Oh, Jack, Jack. Right here, Mary. Did you get the dates for Don? Yes, Mary, I got them. I'll have to pick it up soon. It's being gift-wrapped. A nice box of plain dates. Plain dates? Mm-hmm. Oh, Jack, why didn't you get the one stuffed with nuts? Don loves nuts. He does? Certainly. At his house, haven't you ever noticed what's in that big bowl on the coffee table? Yes, hams and turkeys. <laughs> Underneath, there's nuts. Okay. I'll go do it right now. Come on, we'll go together. Oh, no, Jack. I've still got some more gifts to buy. You can meet me at the sportswear counter. Okay. Oh, oh clerk. Clerk. Huh? Oh, 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 here's your package, mister. All, all gift-wrapped and everything. One, one box of plain dates, $1.65. Well, I'm sorry. See, I don't want those. I want the ones with the nuts in them. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Mister, let me alone. I'm all out of pills. <laughs> I don't know 
know what you're talking about, and I want a box of stuff dates gift-wrapped immediately. Okay, okay, I'll do it. How can I avoid this guy? I tried everything. Uh, even getting myself transferred. I wonder if this store has a branch behind the Iron Curtain. <laughs> Look, look, I've got some other shopping to do. Now, you wrap those dates with nuts, and I'll be back later. I'm sure you will. Uh, let's see. Oh, yes, I remember where Mary said she'd meet me. Gee, she's not here. Guys, I still haven't gotten anything for my sister Florence. See, that's the lingerie department. Maybe I can find something there. Let's see, maybe she'd like this beautiful pair of silk pajamas. Yeah, that's what I'll get. Pajamas. Hey, Bud. <laughs> Bud. Huh? Come here a minute. <laughs> Who, me? Yeah. What are you doing? I'm buying a gift for my sister. What are you going to get? Pajamas. Uh-uh. <laughs> what? Get her a nightgown. A nightgown? Why? Nightgown is a sleeper. <laughs> well, well, so are pajamas. I know, but with pajamas, when they're off, the legs will fold. <laughs> Gee, I, I never thought of that. When you make your selections, you gotta consider the string. The pajama string? Yeah. It's all right while it's going around the back stretch, but when it comes out in front, it ties up in a knot. <laughs> Gee, maybe you're right. Of course I'm right. Nightgown is a great show bet. I see what you mean. Well, so long. So long, bud. I wasted so much time, I'll have to buy Florence's present later. I better get over to the sporting goods department. Mary is probably waiting for me. Now, uh, tell me, miss, this fellow you're buying the present for, is he your, uh, boyfriend? No, in fact, he's my boss. Oh, then you'll want to get him something nice. After all, he's responsible for your bread and butter. Only bread. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, tell me, miss, what kind of a man is your boss? Oh, nothing unusual about him. He's average height, average weight. How old is he? Well, he says he's around 39. Around 39, eh? Yeah, but I think it's the second time around. <laughs> I see, uh, maybe I... Hey, Mary! Mary! Oh, well, I'll be back later, mister. Here he comes now. That man coming down the aisle? Yes. I think it's his third time around. <laughs> Oh, Mary, Mary, I've been looking all over oh, for you. Oh, I'm sorry, Jack. 
Anyway, I'm all done with my shopping, and I can help you with yours. Good, because I still have to get gifts for Dennis Day and Rochester and Bob Crosby. Then I'll be all... Well, Jack, Mary! Oh, hello, Don. Hello, Don. Hi, hi. Doing your Christmas shopping, Don, huh? Yeah, just about finished, though. So are we. Say, Don, let me look at you. Gee, you look marvelous. What a wonderful tan. Yes, Don, you're really brown. How long you been in Palm Springs? Three days. Gee, how'd you get such a wonderful tan in three days? I haven't been able to find a room. (laughs) Say, Don, besides being so tan, I've never seen you look so good. You've lost some weight, haven't you? Well, yes, quite a bit, Mary. The the doctor put me on a diet. (laughs) Oh, you poor guy. You must be starving yourself. Oh, no, no, Jack. It's not a hard diet at all. I eat practically everything. I just have to cut out a few things like sugar, cream, butter, nuts, and pastry. Not too bad. Oh, no, no. Feel fine. Feel fine. Well, I gotta hurry and finish my shopping. So do we. Hello, Mary. Goodbye, Jack. Come on, Jack. Let's go over to the counter where... Jack. Jack. What are you thinking about? Mary, didn't you hear what Don said about his diet? Yeah, so what? So what? I got him the dates with nuts. It's not only fattening, it's more expensive. <laughs> Mary, wait for me here. I'm going back and exchange it. Playing time. <laughs> well, here's the date counter. Oh, clerk, clerk. Oh, uh, here you are, sir. All wrapped and ready to go. Gee, oh. I'm, I'm sorry I put you to all this trouble. It's... That's all right, Mister. Here's your package. But um, look at, I want the plain ones now. <laughs> One, two, three, four. I'll never make it. I'll never get to ten. Look, mister, control yourself. Control myself? This is the fourth time you've changed these dates. Don't be so fresh. Just exchange the date. Not this time. Oh, no, not this time. I outsmarted you. I went to the sporting goods department and got this loaded gun. Mister, put that gun away. Cap, don't point it at your head. Suicide is a terrible thing. Fire! <laughs> now look what you've done. You made me so nervous I missed. <laughs> Control yourself. I won't control myself. First you wanted the plain dates, then the ones with the nuts, then the ones with plastic tips, Look, then you wanted the dates stuffed with metal tips, then you wanted the traffic and to go for the line. Mister. Then you wanted to go for the dates with nuts, then you wanted the nuts that ain't plain gophers. Then you wanted the gophers. Then you wanted the shoelaces that have dates with gophers. Mr. I didn't know. Look, mister, I don't. I can't stand it any longer. I can't, I can't, I can't. Jack, we'll be back in just a minute. But first, a word to cigarette smokers. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky's strike means fine tobacco, richer tasting. Fine tobacco. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's strike. Lucky's strike. 
This is Don Wilson, friends. You know, each time you light up a cigarette, isn't it the taste of that cigarette the thing you're really looking for? I'm sure it is. Because smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is, Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Now there are two short, simple reasons why. First, as everyone knows, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Fine, naturally mild, good-tasting tobacco. Better taste must start with fine tobacco. And then, Luckies are actually made better. Made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly to give you better taste. And here's a reminder. One gift that will really be appreciated at Christmas is the gay holiday carton of better-tasting Luckies. That's right. Right now, Luckies come to you in bright, cheerful Christmas cartons created just for Lucky Strike by the famous designer Raymond Lowy. It's the ideal way to say Merry Christmas to your family and friends. Yes, at Christmas time or any time, it's always good taste to give and to smoke better-tasting Lucky Strike. Be happy, go lucky, for Christmas gifts this year. Good night, everybody. We're a little late. Program is written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsburg, George Balzer, John Packerberry, Al Gordon, Al Goldman, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Mark. Be sure to hear The American Way with Horace Height for Lucky Strike every Thursday over this same station. Consult your newspaper for the time. The Jack Benny Program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. Stay tuned for the Amos and Andy Show over the CBS Radio Network. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe, it's time to start another show. So hang around and don't go away. I'll be right back with Alice Faye. <laughs> RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Here's the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, transcribed, written by Ed James and Al Schwartz, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, John Hubbard, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Walter Scharf and his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Tonight's minor catastrophe is called Phil and Elliot Play Detective, or Jessica, You're Dragging Your Net. <laughs> First, here's a word from RCA Victor. of the RCA Victor program, Alice Fay and Phil Harris. All good things must come to an end, but bad things come to an end as well, which means that Phil Harris's band rehearsal is finally over. <laughs> right now, we find Phil and Elliot strolling casually up Hollywood Boulevard on what would otherwise be a very pleasant afternoon. 
Oh, well, a jingle bells, a jingle bells, a jingle all the way. I see by all the papers that the smog is here to stay. <laughs> a jingle bells, a jingle bells, a jingle all the way. If Santa Claus is late this year, it means he lost his way. <laughs> oh, jingle bells, a jingle bells. Hey, jingle... Curly, you know something? What? You ain't kidding about the old gent. It's getting to be that time. Yeah, you said it. This time of year is beautiful, ain't it, Al? Decorations all up and down Hollywood Boulevard. The store windows all lit up. The people all lit up. <laughs> Shame on you. That's no way to talk. Not around Christmas. No, you know what I mean, Curly. Everybody looks so happy and everything. Yeah. Just think of it, Elliot. Hmm? Another couple of weeks and we'll all be opening up our Christmas packages. And then another couple of weeks and we'll all be opening the bills. <laughs> What's the matter with you today, Elliot? Gee whiz, what happened to your Christmas spirit? Well, it's a little early in the day. No. No, <laughs> oh, I mean you ought to be out spreading joy. You know, buying Christmas presents and stuff like that. I already bought my Christmas presents. All of them? Yep. For everybody? Everybody. Me? Why, <laughs> Curly. You know I wouldn't forget you. Ah, you, you shouldn't have done it, Elliot. <laughs> I know, but what could I do? <laughs> Say, Elliot, you didn't buy me anything like last year, did you? You'll find out. Look, I don't want any more shrunken cannibal heads. <laughs> now, you don't have to worry, Curly. I got you something real practical this year. And Alice, too. Oh, you did, huh? Yeah. Hey, what'd you get Alice? Oh, she's gonna love it. I got her a beautiful set of left-handed golf clubs. Oh, gee, she... Alice ain't left-handed. No, but I am. <laughs> Elliot, what's well, a... she can't play all the time, and I figured maybe I could learn. Oh, Elliot, that's no way to buy Christmas presents. You've got you to gotta put your heart into it, like me. You know what I bought, Phyllis? The finest set of electric trains you can get. <laughs> that's what you got her last year. I know, but I broke them. <laughs> You know what I got, little Alice? A life-size teddy bear. You wind it up and it walks and talks. Wait, wait, and wait, wait, wait a minute, Curly. Huh? Little Alice is fourteen. Ain't she a little old for a teddy bear? What are you talking about? I'm older than she is, and I've got one. <laughs> I couldn't sleep without it. <laughs> well, as the old lady said when she kissed the cow. Okay, what'd she say? I don't know. Nobody ever told me. <laughs> hey, Curly, what'd you get for Big Alice? Oh, Big Alice, I haven't made up my mind yet. Of course, there's a lot of things I could get her, like a diamond necklace or, or a yacht. You know, stuff like that. Oh, sure. I know all about stuff like that. But then I said to myself, I said, Phil... Maybe she'd rather have something you can pay for. <laughs> that seems logical. What'd you finally pick out? Well, you suppose she'd like some lifesavers? <laughs> I don't know why, but I think she'd rather have a yacht. See what a problem I've got? Well, don't you worry. We'll figure out something. Uh, how about some bubble bath? She don't use it. Perfume? She don't use it. Soap? She don't... 
<laughs> Almost got me, didn't you? That was close. Hey, Curly, look at that. What? That pet shop. There's a whole window full of puppies. Yeah. Hey, that's it. That's what I'll get her. A puppy? Well, no, some kind of a pet. You know, something she'd love it. Something that's real cute. Something that she can hold in her lap and fondle. Meow. Cut it out. <laughs> you know, we've already got Little Nipper. That's the RCA dog, so we don't want no dog. But there ought to be something. How about a skunk? <laughs> Skunky, you nuts. What's no, the... I ain't nuts. A friend of mine owned a skunk, and they're cute. No trouble at all. You never have to go looking for them, either. <laughs> You always know where they are. <laughs> How true. Hey, hmm? look in there. Look at those puppies, Elliot. They're cute little dickenses, aren't they? Mm. Hey, look over there. Look at that big one. Where? In the middle. Hey, Elliot, get a load of those floppy ears, that long snoot, and that silly look at the... Hey, wait a minute. How come he's wearing a necktie? What? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Elliot. That's you. I saw that reflection in the... <laughs> Yeah. Well, thanks for picking me out. Yeah. I always wondered why I had a cold nose. <laughs> hey, Elliot, come on, let's go in there and yeah, see what okay. we can see. Okay. Are they bringing that back already? Oh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Can I be of service? Oh, yes, sir. I certainly hope so. You see, I want to buy my wife a pet for Christmas, and, well, I don't know quite what to give her. Hey, you're Phil Harris, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, sharp. He knows me. <laughs> he knows alligators, too. <laughs> this is quite a coincidence. Jack Benny was in this morning, and he bought a pet for Mary Livingston. Well, how about that? Old Jackson finally gave up some of his loot, huh? What'd he buy? Well, he almost bought a Dalmatian until he found out they cost $75. After you threw the ice water on him, uh, what did he buy? A white rabbit and a can of black paint. <laughs> hey, how about some goldfish, Curly? Nah, they ain't sexy enough. I like to get her something different, something uh, unusual. How about some kangaroos? <laughs> some kangaroos. <laughs> Well, you know, they got those pouches in the front, so I figured we could spot them around the ping-pong table and shoot some pool. <laughs> I'm sorry, but we don't carry kangaroos. Oh, that's too bad. I was just going to order six of them. Oh, have you thought of buying one of our feathered friends? You sell Indians? All right. <laughs> we have a large variety of birds. Oh, perhaps your wife would like a canary. no. No, I don't think so. She's like every other wife. She likes to do her own chirping. <laughs> hey, what's that? That? Oh, that's Arnold, our talking crow. A talking crow, huh? Let's hear him say something. All right, Arnold. Say something for the nice gentleman. Crowy. Crowy. Crowy, want a cracker? Hey. <laughs> He's kind of cute. You know, you could make a real pal out of this young crow. Yeah. <laughs> His old man and I have been friends for years. Why don't you buy him, Curly? <laughs> what, me buy a crow? 
I wouldn't know what to feed them. Oh, it's very simple. All you need is a little corn. That we got. <laughs> Hey, listen to that kid. He's pretty sharp, ain't he? Hey, do you think Alice would like him? Like him? She'll love him. Ah! Well, Mr. Harris, have you decided about Arnold? Go ahead, Curly. Okay. I like him. I'll take him, mister. Oh, goody. Ah, that's what I like about the South. Ah! Take me home. Hey, ah! hey, listen to him. He likes me, too. Not you, Alice Faye. Wow. Take me home. Take me home. Ah! Ah! Okay, but you better learn to love hominy grits, too. I want some hominy grits And some red sugar-cured ham I want a great big bowl of cream gravy And I'd be such a happy man If I can smell magnolia blossoms And azaleas in bloom then lead me up to that table And give me lots of elbow room I want some mammy fried hoe cake And some good old black-eyed peas Then give me a hay rack full of hot biscuits And make my coffee black if you please Cause if you feed me all the Dixie In that style so grand You gonna have yourself a Happy man, sorghum molasses. You're gonna have yourself a happy man. Mm, pass them hominy grits. And then I want some of that red eyed ass. And then give me a great big bowl of that milk gravy. And you'd have such a happy man. Cause when I smell magnolia blossoms and azaleas in bloom Just lead me up to the table and give me lots of elbow room I want some mammy fried hoe cake and some good old black-eyed peas Then give me a hay rack full of them biscuits and make my coffee black if you please Cause if you feed me all a Dixie In that style so grand You're gonna have yourself a happy man Corn pone honey You're gonna have yourself a happy man A hush puppy papa You're gonna have yourself a happy man Okay, Elliot, close the door. Why do we have to whisper? Well, Alice might be back from the market, and I don't want her to see Arnold until Christmas. Oh, oh. Where are you going to hide him, Curly? How about the garage? Alice will see him. Hey, wait a minute. I got it. Put him in the canary cage. Hold me! All right, all right. I see what you mean. All right. home! I brought the groceries! Oh, death in the afternoon. <laughs> Curly, it's Julius. Get Arnold out of sight. How? Stick him under your coat. Okay, Arnold. Now get in. Get in. And remember, no tickling. Get in. <laughs> Hiya, Julius. Well, if it ain't the swallows back from Kappa 
Nostrano. <laughs> what do you mean, swallow? Well, don't look now, but you're molten. <laughs> what? Oh, you mean the feathers on the floor. Uh, oh, we can explain that. Can't we, Curly? <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Go ahead, explain. Oh, well. <laughs> um, uh, well, um, well, you see, Julius, there's this old Indian legend that says, says, um, when, uh, when feathers fall them from sky, um, they land them on floor. I got news for you. Some of them land them on your chest, them. And they're waving. I know. Cut it out. Huh? Well, he, uh, he, uh, he said he's getting stout. I don't know what he said, but his vest is flapping. <laughs> and he's flipping. <laughs> what? <coughs> Boy, it's smoky in here. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get a room. A room? You ought to get a padded cell. Audience, <laughs> I'm getting out of here, but fast. Get the road, you little fink. <laughs> hey, Arnold knows him. Yeah. Hey, Elliot, we still haven't found a place to hide Arnold. How about the attic? He'll be all right there until Christmas, and you can take care of him. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's a good idea. Wait a minute, I'll get the key. Where is it? Right here in this desk drawer. Hold Arnold for a second, will you? Yes, yeah, sure. That yeah, boy, nice Arnold. Yeah, here's the key right here. I. Hey, wait a minute. What's the matter? Look what I found. What? Alice's checkbook. <laughs> so that's where it lives, the little devil. Hey, Curly, how about Arnold? Arnold, are you could have kidding? He couldn't write a check for eight dollars, Arnold. <laughs> Look at this. I'll just stick them in the closet for now, huh? Okay. Hey, Elliot, have you ever seen so many numbers? Yeah, wait till I give the bird the brush. <laughs> Be a good little crow, Arnold. <laughs> oh, that Alice. Oh, man, let me just thumb through these stubs. Hmm, <laughs> Christmas seal fund, $100. Children's Hospital, $500. Ah, oh, ain't she wonderful? Keep reading, Curly. I could listen forever. Boys Town, $300. Bananas, $75. Salvation Army. Wait a minute, Curly. What was that? Salvation Army. No, no, the other one. About the bananas. <laughs> oh, uh... Bananas, $75. <laughs> what about it? That's a lot of dough for bananas, ain't it? We eat a lot of bananas. That's <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> Community chest, $1,000. Girl Scouts of America, $100. Bananas. $200. What's that, Curly? Another $200 for bananas. Boy. You must like bananas. 
Nobody likes that many bananas. <laughs> Three days, $275 for... What can you do with that many bananas? <laughs> what can you do with that many skins? <laughs> Wait a minute, here it is again, 225 That makes $500 for bananas? Who do you suppose bananas is? Well, I... <laughs> Bad English, ain't it? <laughs> Who do you... What? Not what, Curly? Who? Now, wait a minute. Hold it, Clyde. Curly, start... you know I'm the last guy in the world to suspect anybody. Oh, sure, but 500 sure. bucks for bananas. It's got to mean something else. Like what? Well, she wouldn't put down $500 for Sam, would she? <laughs> Who's Sam? Bananas. <laughs> Sam, bananas? Curly, you poor guy. Now, wait a minute. If you, if you need a witness, you know me, pal, my right arm up to there. What I need a witness for? Well, you're not going to let Alice get away with it, are you? With what? Sam. How do you know his name is Sam? Curly, it's obvious. Would it be Gomer Bananas? No, I don't believe it would. Well, I don't see. <laughs> It's Sam. Elliot, you got it all wrong. A wonderful girl like Alice wouldn't do a thing like that. She wouldn't? Okay. After all the years we've been married, okay. we've got a home and two beautiful daughters, and besides, she's nuts about me. Ain't she? I said okay. <laughs> you ought to be ashamed of yourself even thinking... Uh-oh. What's the matter, Curly? Here's another 200. <laughs> For Sam? Bananas. <laughs> Oh, Elliot, what am I going to do? Well, I know what I'd do. All right, now, look, let's not jump into this thing. Maybe it means something else. Phil, she wouldn't Phil, go... I'm home, and I brought you some... Phil, what are you doing with my checkbook? It's community property, you know. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it okay, later. Okay, then we'll talk about something else first. Bananas. Bananas? As in checkbook. <laughs> oh, that bananas. Yeah, that bananas. Who is he? Uh, You wouldn't know him, Phil He hangs around with another bunch (laughs) Ooh, that was a good one, dear (laughs) Curly, that alone is grounds for divorce Alice, now you listen to me Give me an explanation Any explanation Well, uh I can't talk to you now, Phil. But I've got a right to know. Later. Later, please. I- I've got to practice my song. You mean now? Right now. Whee. Choo-choo train, chug-chugging at the station. Choo-choo train, conductor pull the cord. Choo-choo train, you know our destination. All aboard Choo-choo train Chug-chugging out by Jiminy Engineer Choo-choo-choo-choo-choo Smokey smoke A-puffing up the chimney We're en route Pour to fix the room And pour to bring some ice Pour to get a broom Sweep out the shoes and rice Pour to thanks a lot You've been so very nice Pour to tell you what Here's a quarter Shoo-shoo porter Choo-choo train Please pardon us for hiding I'll explain In case you didn't guess Choo-choo train It's heaven to 
be riding the honey, honey, honey honeymoon express. Porter, fix the room. And Porter, bring some ice. Porter, get a broom. Sweep out the shoes and ride. Porter, thanks a lot. Oh, you've been so very nice. I tell you what, here's the quarter. Shoo, shoo, Porter. Choo, choo, train. Please pardon us for hiding. I'll explain in case you didn't guess. Choo, choo, train. It's heaven to be riding. Alice, now, can I talk to you, please? Uh, uh, later, Phil. I- I've got to go down to the market. You just came from the market. I did? Well, well this is another market. Uh, give me one of those checks. What for? We're out of bananas. <laughs> hey, Curly. Did Alice ever spend any time in Hawaii? I don't know. Why? She sure wiggled down that one. <laughs> Oh, that was another good one, Dave. <laughs> what do you mean? She just had to go to the market. That's all. When she gets back, she'll explain the whole thing. If she gets back. <laughs> what do you mean, if? Curly, how long do you suppose Mr. Bananas is going to wait? Oh, yeah. Sam, huh? Hmm? What did I ever do to him? Why does he want to break up my home? Now, Curly. Well, I don't care. Maybe I... it ain't too late. We got to find Sam and talk him out of it. Oh, how are we going to do that? Well, we tell him how tight Alice is with her dough, how she spends half her time in a beauty parlor, how she burns the water when she's making tea. (laughs) Curly? Yeah? You sure you want Alice back? Well, sure, I'm sure. I'm nuts about her, even with the burned tea. (laughs) Then we got to find Sam. Okay, let's hire a detective. Curly! What's the matter? You would hire a detective to follow a nice girl like Alice? Your wife? The mother of your children? For shame. (laughs) We gotta do something. I'm sure, but why hire a detective? We follow her ourselves. (laughs) Now, wait a minute, Elliot. I don't know. Curly, it's a cinch. I'm an expert at this stuff. After all, half of my friends were Martin Kane. Bill Gargan, Lloyd Nolan, Lee Tracy, Mark Stevens. Art Linkletter? No, he's next. <laughs> this guy, Sam, will never know what hit him. For your information, for your information, <laughs> I might do the crow before this show's over. For your information, it'll be me. I'm gonna hit him. Hey, Curly, there she is on the other side of the street. Pull up to the curb and we'll tailor. Yeah. There she goes into Cassie's beauty salon. How do you like that? She's taken my appointment. <laughs> hey, Curly, she went into the bank. Well, let's get comfortable. If she's counting her money, it'll take all day. Curly, this may be it. Did you see where she went? Where? Sam's Fifth Avenue. That's Saks. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll wait. Curly, she went back to the bank. It figures. Curly, she went to the butcher shop. What happened to the bank? 
Curly, there he is. Who? Sam, see him? He and Alice are getting into that foreign car. You mean that's Sam? He looks more like Gomer. Yeah, but look at that car. <laughs> that car, a yellow Jaguar. Hey, look at that car. Oh, man, that's really something, ain't it? They're closing the doors, Curly. Look at the lines on that car. Oh, that's the prettiest job I've ever seen. Sam's starting the motor. Yeah, listen to it purr. Like a baby boy. What I'd give for a car like that. Hey, Curly, he's driving away. Yeah, man, that's a pretty car. But how about Alice? Oh, she's pretty too, but she ain't got the lines of that. Alice! Don't worry. <laughs> we'll jump in our car and catch him. Mrs. Harris, it's a very comfortable car. Yes, it is a very comfortable car, but I just... Hey, Alice! Alice! Oh, it's my husband. Oh, dear. All right, Alice, pull over there. Keep going. But, Mrs. Harris... I said keep going. Faster! Alice, pull over there now. I want to talk to you. Oh, we mustn't find out. Can't you make this thing go any faster? Alice! It won't go over 35. There's a governor on it. Well, take it off! I can't. Alice, I said stop that car now. Stop it. <laughs> Mrs. Harris, I don't want to get into any trouble with your husband. I got news for you. You're in trouble. All right, pull over there, will you? <laughs> Mr. Harris, you're too close. All right, shove him over, Elliot. Shove him over there, Captain. Mr. Harris, stop! Stop! This poor car. Oh. oh, I'm awfully sorry, Mr. Butterfield. I, uh, Mr. Butterfield, where are you? I'm up here. Okay, Sam, start talking. Sam? Don't you get away, huh, bananas? <laughs> oh, Phil, if you'll only listen. Listen, listen, I'll listen plenty. We got some questions for Sam to answer. Yeah, what kind of mileage you get on this crate, Sam? Oh. <laughs> About 15 in town, 20 on the road. Good rubber all around. Elliot, will you stop already? <laughs> well, I just thought I'd find out. Oh, Phil, you had to spoil everything. I spoil everything? Oh, that's great. You're running around with Sam Bananas and I ain't supposed to do nothing, huh? <laughs> you ought to be ashamed. You ought to be ashamed. After all the times I've promised to go on the wagon. Just for you. <laughs> hey, Curly. We sure made a mess out of Sam's car, didn't we? Yeah, it serves him right. I ought to mess him up more than his car. It isn't his car, Phil. It's yours. Okay, then I ought to mess... What? <laughs> it's a banana-colored Jaguar, and I bought it for you for Christmas. Oh, my God. <laughs> Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. It costs less than ever to enjoy your favorite music with RCA Victor's new 45 extended play records. These exciting new records bring you twice as much music, up to 15 minutes per record, for as little as $1.40. Visit your RCA Victor dealer tomorrow. Ask him to show you the Victrola 45 automatic phonographs with a famous golden throat tone system and the new Victrola 45 attachments at budget price at $16.75. Listen to them all with the economical new 45 extended play records by RCA Victor, cornerstone of home entertainment for three generations. This is Phil again. Part of the thoughtfulness of Christmas giving is to be sure your gifts or cards are received on time. So wrap packages carefully and, and mail them early, huh? Thanks, and good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> 
Join this program transcribed were Mel Blank, Herb Butterfield, and Lee Millar. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. This has been an NBC Radio Network presentation. I'm back. <laughs> well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Oh, wow. We've been off the air for a couple days. I uh, <laughs> kind of managed my bandwidth poorly this month. I forgot that uh, December we have so many more listeners tuning in and downloading, and that with me putting more shows out there, it just eats up our bandwidth faster. So uh, we went through a month's bandwidth in under a month. So I do thank all of you who've uh, been donating to get us back on the air. And we're back, and here we are. Um, this episode of Jack Benny's show is... Interesting that I, I, I really enjoyed hearing the beginning of it in that uh, I'm not going to give anything away from the episode itself, but there's a, a, a public service announcement at the beginning that basically is telling folks to um, not go on any big trips unless they absolutely have to uh, because they want to allow the... the um, Folks, f folks in the armed forces to travel and get back home for the holidays and so forth. Um, I just, I think it's interesting how for World War II, it was sort of an, the ultimate all-hands-on-deck war, where everybody was involved with it and uh, they wanted the whole country to make sacrifices together and it really, I think bonded the country together in supporting the war effort. And how since then, all the wars have been sort of these little pocket wars in which uh, a group of folks gave their all to, and lots of times their lives and limbs, to uh, fighting the war. But the folks back home have always been kind of cushioned somewhat from the wars. And uh, and they haven't been asked to sacrifice or help out with the war effort in the same way that they were for World War II. Um, I mean, I just can't imagine uh, folks coming on the television or radio and telling us now uh, due to the war in Afghanistan, let's try not to travel any more than you have to over this uh, you know, holiday season, let's let the uh, armed forces travel around more and have them have access and so forth. I, I mean, I think you'd have the airlines and um, the petroleum industry up in arms at suggesting that people shouldn't travel. Um, now, that's that's one piece of it. Of course, the other piece is just logistically. In World War II, you had almost every man from the age of 18 to, to close to 40 involved in the war effort. So, if they were going to travel around, there was a lot more people that they had to get around. Now, of course, in, in uh, the war in Afghanistan and Iraq and... and uh, before that, of course, Vietnam and um, Korea, you had a lot fewer number of 
armed forces folks that were engaged in the war than in World War II, and so they wouldn't need uh, for everybody to stop traveling and so forth to allow them to travel. It's just interesting that they were willing to come on and talk about that, as well as the scrap drives and the rubber drives and all the other things that they had going on. Um, I think a movie that captures this, probably better than most, and just in the small little snippet, is It's a Wonderful Life, which I'm sure a lot of you are watching during this holiday season, uh, in that it has a small piece of it that's probably five minutes long that shows when Jimmy Stewart doesn't go off to war, uh, because I think he's 4F, for, because of his ear probably, uh, he, um, the character had his ear injured early in the ep early in the movie. Anyway, uh, they show him being involved in the scrap drives, in the rubber drives, and all the things, and, and as an air, air marshal, or whatever that is, when they um, uh, organize people if there was an air raid and that sort of thing, to be on the defense against attack. Um, and, it, and it just captures that really well in that little segment uh, of that film. Um, anyway, I just think that's an interesting topic. Now, um, Verna Felton's on this episode. She plays Dennis's mother. We haven't, it doesn't seem like we've heard from her in a little while. Uh, she does a really nice job on this episode, uh, as does everyone else. So I hope you're going to enjoy Verna Felton as Dennis's mother. She's played lots of different folks' mothers in different shows. Uh, probably most famously, uh, she was Fred Flintstone's mother in uh, the Flintstone's uh, telev uh, television show, the cartoon, in the 60s. Uh, so I guess that would make Fred Flintstone and Dennis Day kind of half-brothers or something. Anyway... Um, enjoy this episode of the Jack Benny Show. I hope you do anyway. Uh, and I've been I've had some questions about are are we going to have some shopping episodes? Well, you're going to get your fill of shopping episodes here uh, for as Jack does Christmas shopping uh, in the next number of episodes on um, all the different podcasts. And then we'll have lots and lots of Jack's Christmas parties coming up. So a lot of fun stuff. Uh, and then as far as all the other shows, pretty much from here out, you're going to get um, most every show that I'm going to play is going to be a Christmas show of some sort. I'll bring you some bonus Christmas shows, too. Anyway, um, enjoy all the shows, and we shall see you next time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Jack Benny, and I want to take a moment to ask you not to do something. For by not doing it, you can help our boys in the armed services. Don't do any traveling during the holiday season that isn't absolutely necessary. Remember that thousands of soldiers, sailors and marines, as well as the waves and wax, are looking forward to spending Christmas with their families. And believe me, they've certainly earned a trip home. And surely none of us would want to cheat one of our boys out of such a furlough. Maybe some of you have felt that just one more pleasure trip isn't going to disrupt the country's transportation system. But if millions of people feel that way, you can easily see what happens. Trains and buses become crowded far beyond capacity, so that traveling is no pleasure anyway. 
So please take it seriously, folks. Let's give our boys and their families a real break for Christmas. Let's give them a chance to be together on this one day of all days. The Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. something new. That's the story of grape nuts for you. Yes, way back in the days when Wait Till the Sun Shines, Nellie, was the song of the day, the talk of the day was the sensational new breakfast cereal, Grape Nuts. Well, Grape Nuts are still a leading American favorite, and one taste of that distinctive, malty-rich flavor tells you why. But today you can enjoy that one delicious flavor in two delicious forms. Grape Nuts, crisp, crunchy kernels, Grape Nuts Flakes, tempting, toasty brown flakes. And both Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes bring you essential whole grain nourishment, which make them a basic seven food, one type of food Uncle Sam is asking us to eat more of. For better breakfasts and hence for a better start on the morning's work, better be sure to include Grape Nuts or Grape Nuts Flakes every day. Have your tickets ready, please. Step along. The broadcast has already started. Hey, mister, is this the Gildersleeve program? No. Tickets, please. Is it the Fitch bandwagon? No. No, keep moving, folks. Keep moving. Those we love? No, no. Tickets, please. Have your tickets ready. John's other wife? No. Is it inner sanctum? <laughs> no, but you're getting warm. <laughs> Tickets, tickets, please. Hey, look, buddy, what show is this? This is the Jack Benny program. Oh, the Jack Benny program. Yeah. Who's on it? <laughs> Jack Benny, Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Oh. Well, are you going in? Well, I don't know. Let's see. Jack Benny, Mary Livingston, Phil Harris... Look, bud, you're blocking the door. Will you make up your mind? That's what I say. Either go in or stay out. <laughs> Tickets, please. Where's your ticket, lady? I don't need a ticket. I'm Dennis Day's mother. Oh. Anyway, I don't care about the show. I'm here on business. All right, Mrs. Day. Go right through. Thank you. Um, do you work for Mr. Benny, too? No, ma'am. I work for NBC. Well, you're lucky. <laughs> 
You'll find a seat right down front, Mrs. Day. Dennis has been on his show five years, and Mr. Benny hasn't given him a raise since he started. Yeah, I don't know anything about that, Mrs. He Day. He pays Dennis $35, and because his song only runs two minutes, he tells him he's making $17.50 a minute, uh, which, according to Mr. Benny, amounts to $186,000 a week. Mrs. Day, you're holding up the line. Why, he's so cheap, he sharpens his pencil in front of his fireplace so the wood won't go to waste. <laughs> Uh, the show has started. Will you please go in? Oh, Mother, Mother. Oh, there you are, Dennis. Follow me. I saved a seat for you right in the front row. Good. And when you see that boss of yours, tell him he's a cheap, no-good, conniving chiseler. You tell him, Mother, you're bigger than I am. <laughs> That's just what I'm going to do as soon as the show is over. Well, here's your seat, Mother. I got to run up on the stage. All right, son. Uh, be careful of those steps. Oh, I will. Hey, Mother, these steps don't turn like the ones at home. Hindustan, played by the orchestra. Ladies and gentlemen, in the past three weeks, two of the most important conferences in world history have been held. One in Cairo and one in Tehran. So tonight we bring you a man who has recently been to both places. Not Roosevelt, not Churchill, not Stalin, not Chiang Kai-shek. I won't mean a thing after those names. <laughs> but here he is in person, the one and lonely Jack Benny. Well, well, thank you, thank you Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking And Don, you're absolutely right It's only recently that I was in both those historic places Tehran and Cairo Cairo, Egypt Oh, that must have been thrilling Oh, it was, Don Just think, I, little Jack Benny Rode through the same streets that Roosevelt did Went into the same hotel where Roosevelt went Passed the same doorman that Roosevelt tipped <laughs> Gosh, it, 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 it doesn't seem possible. No, it doesn't, Jack. It really doesn't. And, Don, I want to tell you something. If you ever happen to be in Cairo, you must stop at that world-famous Shepherd's Hotel. What a place with its beautiful Egyptian architecture, its spacious gardens, and its front terrace where you meet the cream of international diplomacy. Gosh. I'll admit, Don, that Shepherd's Hotel is expensive. But it's an experience you'll never forget. Oh, I can imagine. How long did you stay at that hotel, Jack? Well, I I didn't live there, Don. <laughs> you see, uh, I wanted to get closer to the Egyptian people and learn their customs and study their ways. 
So uh, I stopped at the Abdullah Ben Hassan Camel Court. <laughs> it's, uh, it's in the heart of the desert. Oh, that must have been fun and interesting, too, sleeping right out on the desert. Oh, it was, Dan. But sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you see the strangest things. I remember one night I woke up and I thought I saw Fred Allen's face. <laughs> Fred Allen's face? Yes, but the next morning I found out it was the Sphinx. Uh, some tourist put a derby on it <laughs> So I apologized to the Sphinx and left I really did Say, Jackson, you know Alan's back on the air again I know, Phil, I know That wreath on my radio isn't for Christmas <laughs> I can just hear Alan on his opening broadcast Good evening, ladies and gentlemen This is Fred Allen talking Ho, 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 ho and his jokes, oh, brother. Look, Jackson, does that guy always talk through his nose? Yes, Phil, he's the only comedian who tells them and smells them at the same time. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's not discuss that zombie, you know? Well, Jack, I know you're not particularly chummy with Fred Allen, but... In my opinion, he's not only a natural wit, but one of the finest comedians in radio. Thank you, Don. And now, ladies and... What? <laughs> what was that, Don? What did you just say? I said, in my opinion, Alan's not only a natural wit, but one of the funniest comedians in radio. Uh, Don, there's an old Chinese proverb that says, when big fat announcer open big fat mouth, Soon find salary, not big fat. <laughs> just, just be glad you've got a job. Ah, Jackson, you're just like a barking dog that don't bite. Huh? Every time Don opens his mouth, you threaten to fire him, but you haven't got the nerve to do it. Phil, this doesn't... Where's your courage? Let's see you fire Don. Go ahead, fire him. Phil, Phil, I don't want to lose my job. Please. <laughs> don't worry. He can't bluff me. Go ahead, Jackson. Fire him. Fire him. <laughs> All right, Phil, if you feel that way about it. I do feel that way about it. Phil, for heaven's sakes, I don't want to get fired. Now, please stop. What kind of a guy do you think I am? I ain't going to back down now. <laughs> Now, look, Phil, if you don't cut this out, I'm going to fire you. Fire me? Yes, you. We're talking about Don. What are you dragging me into this for? <laughs> now, wait a minute, fellas. Wait a minute. I'm not going to fire anybody. I like Don. I just don't want him to mention Alan's name, that's all. Another thing, we all ought to be ashamed. Mary's home listening to the program, and we're making fools of ourselves. Oh, say, Jack, I meant to ask you, how is Mary? Well, you know how laryngitis holds on, but she's much better. And incidentally, fellas, I bought Mary a lovely bouquet of American Beauty roses. I sent it to her yesterday. Well, that was thoughtful of you, Jack. Is she allowed to go out of the house yet? Uh, the flowers I bought were gorgeous. I mean, they had those long... Is Mary allowed to go out of the house yet? You know, they had those long stems. They're very expensive. Jack, is Mary allowed to go out... You know, those roses that are so hard to get now. I really... All right, all right. How much is our share? <laughs> huh? I said, give me the bad news. How much is our share? What do we owe you? Oh, well, I certainly wasn't expecting you fellas to chip in, even though I did tell Mary the flowers came from all of us. And of course, if you insist, it's $1.65 apiece. But it's... Such a small amount, why bother? Well, here's my share. Thanks. Here's mine. Thanks. Well, Dennis? 
Just take it out of my $186,000. Dennis, your salary has nothing to do with it. This happens to be a cash deal. Okay, here's $1.65. Thanks. And now, ladies and gentlemen, all right, fellas, stop staring at me. <laughs> After all, when Barbara Stanwyck was on our show two weeks ago, I gave her a corsage, and I didn't ask you guys to chip in. You didn't have to. You charged it to Robert Taylor. <laughs> Certainly, there's nothing sneaky about me. When I send flowers to another man's wife, I want him to know about it. <laughs> By the way, I, I think I'll call Mary and see how she's getting along. I'm pretty sure she'll be back on the show next week. All she needs is a little rest now, and then she'll... Hello? Miss Livingston's residence. Oh, hello, Butterfly. This is Mr. Benny talking. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Benny? Uh, tell me, Butterfly, how's Miss Livingston? She's much better, thank you. The doctor was here and took her temperature. Oh. Oh, is it normal? I don't know. I think he lost the thermometer. <laughs> the, the doctor lost the thermometer? Yes, because right after he looked, took her temperature, he looked down the throat with a flashlight. The throat with a flashlight. <laughs> oh, no, no, Butterfly He was just looking for symptoms He was looking for something, I know that <laughs> Well, don't worry about it And I'm glad that Miss Livingston is getting along so well Is the doctor still there? No, he's gone But before he left He went left some green pills Blue pills, red pills, and yellow pills That's good I don't think so when I give her the blue pills, she turns green. When I give her the green pills, she turns red. And when I give her the red pills, she turns yellow. What? I just can't seem to make a match. <laughs> <laughs> well, Butterfly, you must have been giving her the wrong pills at the wrong time. Is your Uncle Rochester there helping you? No, he was here, Mr. Benny. But he caught a cold, too, so the doctor sent him home. Oh, my goodness. Well, I better call home and see how Rochester is. Tell Miss Livingston I'll see her after the show. What color would you like to see her in? <laughs> no color, and don't give her any more of those pills. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hmm. What's the matter, Jack? Oh, now Rochester's got a cold. Looks like he'll be laid up. I'm going to call him and see how he feels. <coughs> Gee, everybody's got a cold now. I bet I'll be next. Oh, you're always imagining you're sick. You're a regular kleptomaniac. <laughs> That's hypochondriac. Kleptomaniac. Well, I got the last syllable right anyway. <laughs> yeah, you got the last syllable. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what's taking Rochester so long. Hello? Hello, Rochester. What happened to you? Oh, hello, boss. I got a call over at Miss Livingston's house. A cold, eh? Yeah, can't you tell by my voice? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do sound a little hoarse. What are you taking for it, Rochester? Oh, the usual thing. Well, uh... <laughs> well, how do you feel? Fine, I can hardly walk. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, Rochester. Have you been drinking? It ain't my fault, boss. The doctor told me to take two fingers of gin. Well? I drank three whole bottles and it ain't gone to my fingers yet. <laughs> Rochester. But my elbow's feeling happy. Your elbow? The joint's jumping. 
Rochester, if the doctor sent you home with a cold, why didn't he give you something for it? He did. He gave me some of Miss Livingston's pills. Blue ones, green ones, yellow ones, and red ones. Well, did you take them? I took them all at once. And say, boss, when you come home... Yes? If you see a scotch plaid rug on the floor, don't step on it. That's me! (laughs) Well, that's the silliest thing I ever heard. Now, Rochester, the best thing you can do is go to bed and stay there. That's the only thing that will cure a cold. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss! Now what? There's a notice here from the steamship company that your crate will arrive in about two weeks. My crate? Oh, oh, that's that camel I sent from Egypt. A camel? Yes. Is that one of them things with a yo-yo spine? (laughs) That's it. But, boss, what do you want with a camel? Well, Rochester, it's just something I sent home as a souvenir from Cairo. A camel for a souvenir? Yes. Well, that's logical. I'm glad you feel that way. My medicine helped a little. <laughs> well, anyway, as soon as you get over your cold, prepare a place for the camel to stay. Now, goodbye. Goodbye. An ostrich, a turkey, a polar bear, and now a camel. You can get the DTs around here on orange juice. <laughs> Rochester's got a cold. My camel's coming in. Oh, well. Let's have your song, Dennis. Okay, Mr. Benny. I'm glad Mary's feeling better anyway. Be good to have her back.
That was How Sweet You Are, sung by Dennis Day. And very good, Dennis. That song was beautiful, and you were an excellent voice. Thanks, Mr. Benny. I really mean it. Every week, you sing better and better. Then why don't you give him a ring? (laughs) Huh? What? You heard what I said. Oh, yes, yes. I, I'm sorry, madam. No, uh, no autographs today. <clears throat> <laughs> and, um, and now, ladies and gentlemen... Oh, Mr. Benny. What, Dennis? Guess who's sitting in the front row? I know, I know. I heard her. She wants to talk to you after the show. I know she does. Now go sit down. And... It's about my salary. Dennis, go over and sit down. Stop now, pushing him! I'm not pushing him! <laughs> And anyway, Mrs. Day, you're not supposed to talk while the program's going on. My boy just sang, didn't he? Yes. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the program's over. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the nerves. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Ah, shut up! Please. Now, I'm, I'm trying to make these people laugh. Then why don't you tell them what you're paying Dennis? <laughs> now, Mrs. Day, if you don't stop... Let her talk! Let her talk! Speech! Speech! <laughs> well, I'll be... Ladies and gentlemen, you should know what this Waukegan weasel is paying my boy. <laughs> Mrs. Day, there's a program going on. He here. pays Dennis $35 a week. Oh. And because his song only takes two minutes, he tells my boy he's making $17.50 a minute, which... Mrs. Not... Day, you're not allowed to stand up on the seats. <laughs> <laughs> and besides, this audience came here to see a show. $17.50 a minute, which that chiseler says amounts to $186,000 a week. Now, please, Mrs. Day. $186,000 a week. And my boy is dope enough to believe it. Back telling him, Mom. <laughs> now, Dennis, you stay out of this. And I, I hate to say it, kid, but I'll have to find some way to keep your mother quiet. If you do, my father will be interested. <laughs> I wouldn't be a bit surprised. My father wears earmuffs, even in the summer. (laughs) You're telling me. Dennis, that'll be enough out of you. Now look, Mrs. Day, this has gone far enough. You have no right to come here, sit in the audience, and embarrass me in front of all these people. After all, I'm paying Dennis a fair salary. Hear that, folks? A fair salary. Why, I can't even afford to play gin rummy anymore. (laughs) Mrs. Day, we're on the air and we've got a program to do. Oh, Usher, Usher. Yes, Mr. Benny? Will you please show this lady out of the studio? Okay, come on, lady, come on. Usher, if you lay a hand on me, I'll punch you right in the nose. (laughs) (laughs) What? You hit a man in uniform? 
<laughs> well, how do you like that? Imagine the usher being afraid of her. Ladies and gentlemen, why is the usher afraid of the lady? Why isn't the lady afraid of the usher? Don, please. I'll tell you why the lady isn't afraid of the usher. Don, Because Don. the lady eats grape nuts and grape nuts flakes. Don, this is no time. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, because grape nuts and grape nuts flakes bring you whole grain nourishment and our basic seven food, Don, the kind of food Uncle Sam wants you to eat more of. Don, this is no And time. remember, folks, you oh, get one delicious flavor in two distinctive forms. Oh, kiddo. Grape nuts, crisp, crunchy kernels, and Don, grape nuts flakes. Toasty brown and sweet as a nut. Donkey. I thank you. Well, thanks, Don. Anyway, that put an end to this awful argument. Now, where were we? So mixed up, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know why everybody thinks I'm taking advantage of Dennis. Now, Don, we've been together a long time. You know I wouldn't hurt the kid. Oh, of course not, Jack. In fact, I look after him. I watch out for him. And why shouldn't I? After all, I'm old enough to be his father. You're old enough to be my father. <laughs> now, look here. And she's no chicken. <laughs> Dennis, that's no way to talk about your mother. Don't mind your own business, you old goat. What? Huh? If I had my Now, way... wait a minute, Mrs. Day. If you insist on interrupting my show, don't keep yelling from the audience. Come on up on the stage. All right, I will. I knew that would happen. You pushed me! <laughs> How could I push you? I'm up here on the stage. I wouldn't trust you as far as I'm going to throw you. That's telling her, Mom. Now, look, Mrs. Day, you came here looking for trouble, and if that's what you want, you're going to get it. That's telling her, Mr. Benny. All I came here for was to get my son a raise. That's telling her, Mom. Your son will get a raise when I think he deserves it, and not a week sooner. That's telling her, Mr. Benny. I don't know why all these things happen to me. That's telling her, Mr. Benny. I hire people. I sign them to legitimate 20-year contracts. Ah, shut up! <laughs> and all I have is trouble, trouble, trouble. If I hear one more word about money or raises or salary from anybody, I'm going to talk to my Well, friends, I've been feeling poetic today. So here's a little something I tossed off, especially for you. Listen. A guy named Ray got up one day, and he was late for work. So in his rush, he cried, Tush, tush, my breakfast I will shirk. By noontime, Ray was less than gay. In fact, he had the shakes. So now he eats those breakfast treats, grape nuts or grape nuts flakes. Well, folks, better take a tip from Ray. Don't try to do a man-sized job on a bird-sized breakfast. It can't be done. Dietitians tell us morning's the important time to stoke up, the time when we need at least one quarter of our daily nourishment. And they also tell us that we should eat a cereal with whole grain food values. So start the day right. Start it with malty-rich grape nuts or crisp, toasty brown grape nuts flakes. Both are basic seven foods that provide all sorts of energy-giving whole grain nourishment. And you couldn't ask for a sweller tasting treat. Yes, eat a good breakfast, do a better job. And help yourself to plenty of grape nuts and grape nuts flakes. All right, folks, the program's over. This way out, this way out. 
Hey, buddy, you glad you went in? Yeah, pretty good show. I thought you'd like it. Say, is Jack Benny really as cheap as he makes out on the radio? Cheap? Come here, bud, let me tell you something. <laughs> that guy Benny lost his wallet here with $100 in it. Yeah? I found it a week later, returned it to him, and he charged me interest. <laughs> No kidding. <laughs> All right, folks, this way out, this way. Ladies, ladies, here's a prize. Grape Nuts Wheat Meal now comes in a great big new economy size. It saves you time, it saves you dough to buy the economy size, you know. That's right. Your grocer is now featuring the big new economy size package of Grape Nuts Wheat Meal, the rich hot brown cereal with grand roasted wheat flavor, real whole wheat nourishment. Get hot grape nuts wheat meal in the new 30-ounce economy package. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. KFI.